You're listening to the Rosenfeld Review, where we're just a bunch of blind men trying to figure out that elephant. I'm your chief blind man, Lou Rosenfeld, and my guest today is Katie Mogul, UX Research Lead, Google Assistant. Hi, Katie. How are you? Hi. Great. Good to be with you. Great to have you on the show. Katie is uh, one of the speakers at uh, next month's Advancing Research Conference, the second annual version of the conference. Uh, Very excited to be putting it on a second time. It'll be March 10th through 12th, taking place virtually. And uh, not that I'm biased, but you will want to be there because we have a number of fantastic speakers and other experiences planned for you. Katie is one of them, and she is talking about a topic that I'm really, really gung-ho on. And if you listen to my podcast uh, over the last few years, you know I've been kind of going off about it for a while. So Katie is giving a talk called, But Do Your Insights Scale? And she's going at this intersection of qualitative research and, um, and analytics, really, or at least people who might have a more analytic or quali- uh, quantitative take on research and how they relate to qualitative research. Am I, am I close, Katie? Am I, uh, am I getting it close enough to hand it to you to, to go into a little more depth? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I'm going to be talking about at the conference is um, on a, on a micro level, excuse me, it's a a case study that I'm presenting. um, That's a demonstration of how um, bringing together multiple, uh, um, I I like to call us purveyors of data um, and multiple types of data to, t- to tell a strategic story can really elevate the impact of research. And, and the sort of macro story is how uh, qualitative research can have strategic impact in an organization by connecting to the business objective. Okay, but wait a minute. Uh, my evidence is better than your evidence. How, how dare you? How dare you suggest that, uh, uh, that your blind man knows something my blind man doesn't know? Uh, no, really. I mean, like, I, 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 I got the sense that one of the issues you've seen, and I know a lot of people do, so whether you're dealing with it directly right now or not, I, I wonder if you'd address it, is this chauvinism of evidence. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and um, the reaction that we met with when we first started the study and we proposed doing uh, qualitative research was something similar to what you just said. And um, uh, to just kind of give a little context, um, we had an ask to um, to do this project with um, a variety of functions, uh, investigating the question of you know what drives the sort of super users of the Google Assistant, and um, it was an ask from our um, our product leadership, and it went to <clears throat> myself, the business strategy team, the uh, data science team. Um, and the market, some market researchers. And the specific request of UX research was to do a survey. And uh, we knew that the opportunity here was <clears throat> we were being asked to take a seat at the table with you know, a, a bunch of different functions and, and to really interweave the data to tell a really strategic story about the business question. Uh, and that UX uh, qual- qualitative UX research would be the way to really explain the why, because everyone else was bringing you know, big data sets. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we so um, so we said, yeah, we can do the survey, but we really should get 
talk to real people and, and hear from them and, and be able to go deep with them. And the, um, some of the partners said, well, like how many people are we talking about? And we said, well, you know, 20 would be a good number. And they were like, 20? Like, what are you going to do with 20 people? I've got 2 million data points to look at. Um, and so we really had to paint a picture of, of the value that the uh, qualitative research could bring. Um, and so my talk focuses on sort of the techniques we use to do that and, and how we were successful in pulling that off. Oh, that's a, it's a, such an important topic. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm just sort of trying to put myself in, in your seat when you had this conversation and, you know, on the one hand, there's the millions of data points and on the other hand, 20, 20, I mean, you know, you could count them on your fingers and toes. How, how did you get that 20 to serve as sort of a, not a little icing on uh, the, the evidence cake, but to be like a, maybe a main dish alongside those millions of data points? Um, so we had to do a few different things. Um, it, you know, to sort of further paint the picture of, of the context of that situation, um, we had a really compressed timeline. And so we were sort of sprinting towards um, presenting at a leadership offsite and to inform the 2020 strategy. This was in summer of 2019. Um, so we had six weeks to go from the ask to a finished product. And, and we also knew if we were going to do qualitative, we were going to want video clips and you know, quotes. And so that was a... Um, we didn't really have time to um, do all the persuasion. And so we sort of took parallel paths where um, a couple of my colleagues went off and started doing the qualitative research while we worked on convincing the stakeholders that we should do it. And, um, you know, we, we were, it was a pretty concentrated effort. We had a war room. And so we started to, to learn a bit about them and their motivations and, um, maybe there are some of their barriers. And so at the same time that we were doing the research, we were sort of planning how we were going to um, persuade them that our insights deserved, you know, a, a role in this very important project. Uh, and so some of the things I'm going to talk about in my, um, in my presentation at the conference are, you know, how you, um, how you get to understand your stakeholders and what's going to move them. And um, how do you how do you make sure that your insights are connecting to the larger objectives? Uh, how you bring them along on the journey? Um, so it was really sort of a, a process we went through. Of you know, I think we spent as much effort on getting the buy-in and and the persuasion and influence as we did on the actual work. <laughs> And um, that, in my experience, that's actually how research gets a seat at the table. As you know, um, as a research lead, I tend to spend as much, if not more, time setting the conditions for success, building the relationship, um, you know, persuading, influencing, as I do on actually helping the teams do the work. And I think that the um, the further on in your career and the further up the ladder you go, the more that ratio tips towards communication, persuasion, influence over actually, you know, rolling up your sleeves and doing the work. 
You had a, a concentrated uh, a time period over which to to make this happen, to, to do that convincing, to do that persuading. Um, you know, ideally, I, I would imagine you'd normally want to have uh, some time to build trust, to build those relationships, and and to educate. Given the compressed nature, was there a specific lever you managed to find that you know tipping uh, really changed things, or was there some sort of aha moment for the people who had uh, commissioned the study? Uh, so, within the working group, which um, which was not the people who commissioned the study, but the the team that was responding mm-hmm. to the ask from the the product VP. Um, what we noticed is that there were uh, a couple of the analysts who worked in the business strategy team who kind of got really interested in the idea of um, deep conversations with real people. And so we were using um, Scout, you know, which is a, a research platform that allows you to get your video of users. And so we gave these guys access to the platform. We said, hey, you should really check out, you know, you can kind of follow along. And as the interviews happen, you can, um, so there's a live component to Scout, and, and people could actually sit in on these live interviews and then they could watch video clips. And <clears throat> so one of these analysts from, from the first video, he thought he was completely hooked. And so we realized, and just it completely went into a rabbit hole of, I mean, I think he just stayed up all night watching user videos. And so we realized um, that we could sort of leverage his passion to convince his colleagues. And so we sort of roped him in and made him um, a sort of co-owner of the qualitative output. And, um, and then the others started to get interested and then we added them to the platform. And then pretty soon everyone was just completely um, sold on the clips because they could start to see, you know, in parallel, we were looking at um, at data from the data scientists that sort of patterns of usage, you know, um, for example, um, what are the four or five features that a super user uses most and how do those differ from a less engaged user? And we could see those patterns and we actually had a data room where we put all the stuff up on the wall. And then people would watch the videos and they would go, oh, I see. I heard this guy say, you know, something that exactly represents this data. And so they started to see how you could make those connections and um, how you didn't have to just take what the qualitative research says as fact, but you can marry it to other data streams and you can connect those dots. And then you have this, um, this holistic picture of, of the data that it, that's really answering your questions in a very rich and meaningful way. So I think the, to answer your question, I think one of the big inflection points is where we got one of the analysts really engaged in the um, the artifacts from the qualitative research in real time. And then he became an evangelist. That's great. Um, and, you know, one question I have about the way you structured the user interviews was, did you keep in mind the audience when you designed the interviews? Was there any, not that you, you know, were prompting your users in any kind of way that wasn't true to the, the, the research goals, but was there any thinking about, you know, making sure you looked into uh, a particular aspect of how, uh, how um, the assistant is used that you knew would really resonate with uh, those quant folks? 
Well, I think um, what helped us connect the qualitative back to the business questions is, you know, starting to, to, to really keeping those business questions top of mind and then starting to see the, um, the quantitative data, the analytics data come in and then starting to do like on the fly dot connections. So it wasn't that we just had one synthesis session at the end, but each, um, I think we were meeting in this war room every couple of days. Mm-hmm. And so every time the data science team came in and said, okay, here's some new patterns we found, we would take those and start to think about how we might influence, how we might build some of those things into future um, qualitative interviews. So we would actually, we were very intentional about um, talking to the team about as they looked at this um, logs data, what questions is this bringing up for you? Mm-hmm. You know, what's, what's the why that you want to explore here? And then building that into the qualitative work and bringing it back. Interesting. So if you do a, uh, another study with the same team, um, do you think next time they would even ask you to do a survey if they knew they could do these types of user interviews? Well, it's, um, we did it. So, so this was in 2019 to inform 2020 strategy. And then we were, and we were asked to repeat it for 2021. So we did it again in 2020 with the survey and, uh, we did this, we did a survey. So we did end up doing a survey, but we also, it was just assumed this time that we would do the qualitative part. Um, so no, so the question wasn't, why would you talk to 20 people? It was when, you know, when are you going to start the qualitative research? Right. Um, and the other day I was talking to, um, one of my colleagues who, uh, who leads the business strategy function. And he said, uh, I mentioned some work we were doing and he said, Oh, we can use that to inform our 2022 project. So, um, it, what's interesting is this has now become a yearly project to inform the subsequent year's strategy. And, um, there's a built in assumption that we'll be doing this qualitative work and everybody understands how it together. That's fantastic. So you, you, you've gotten it established. Yeah. And I was asking mostly because I wondered if when they first came to you and said, we want you to do a survey, if, if that was a little bit more prescriptive than you might've ideally liked, not everyone wants, not every qualitative researcher wants to be associated with surveys. Well, you know, it was coming from product leadership. And I think their idea was just, oh, there, you know, there's a UX research team that does qualitative and quantitative research. And we think that they need to do a survey because Mm -hmm. I think they, they wanted some insights at scale, which made sense. Um, And I just don't think that they, the, the particular stakeholders who were making the request had a strong idea of how qualitative work could um, inform their business questions. And so it was about us, um, you know, I think part of what we had to do was envision what the output could mm-hmm. look like and how it could fit in to the overall project and then kind of designing backwards. And, and probably doing a, a fair bit of yes anding along the way. Um, so yes, for we're, sure. we're going to take a break in just a moment. You're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. And when we return, uh, more discussion of a really interesting approach 
to marrying quant and quality research uh, that Katie Mogul uh, and team took at Google. Be right back. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want more, not only do we have a whole bunch of podcasts in our archive, but we have something that's very current, very alive, and very engaging for groups. And that is our communities. Rosenfeld Media runs a variety of communities that meet on a monthly basis for video conferences on a variety of topics near and dear to UX people, ranging from enterprise experience to advancing research to design and research operations. I want to encourage you to join one of our communities. Again, it is free by going to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. Not only will you get a monthly video conference that you can listen in on and participate in, ask questions and so forth, we'll give you access to the recordings. And uh, for some of those communities, we're talking about dozens of recordings with really interesting presenters and facilitators. You'll also get a newsletter. You'll get access to an advice columnist. Yes, we actually are providing advice columnists for each community. And finally, if you're interested in our conferences, our communities correspond to our conferences. So you will be the first to know when programs, uh, when programs go live, uh, when tickets go on sale, and by the way, most of our conferences sell out, and other good things about our conferences, such as uh, when the scholarship applications open up. So go to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. You're gonna find something that's free, something that's interesting, and it's a great opportunity to find your tribe as well. We'll see you there. Welcome back. You're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. And Katie Mogul and I were talking about uh, the work that she did uh, and is doing at Google uh, in terms of not only um, marrying quant and qual research, but we were just going to start talking about really the next step which is the synthesis part, making sense, making meaning out of all these different strands of, of research, of evidence. It's really like, you know, my, my shtick at the beginning of this podcast is always the blind man and the elephant. Well, all right, let's, how do we get to that elephant? Yeah, it, it, this, um, and I'll be talking about this more uh, when I speak at the conference. This, I think, is one of the, most challenging areas in research is how, how do you connect the dots across all these different um, observations and data points uh, to make meaning for your stakeholders and to answer the research questions and the business questions. Um, and I, I think you've probably gleaned from my story that this was kind of a messy project because we had um, a group of stakeholders who hadn't worked together before, who didn't quite understand each other's functions. Uh, I was pretty new at Google. Um, and we, we were on a very compressed timeline. So we were going through that classic, you know, um, storming, norming, forming, and performing um, all in real time. And um, we were meeting in these war rooms multiple times per week. And as we got to the end of the data collection piece, one of the stakeholders said, so what are we going to do with all this? We had all this stuff on the wall. We had quotes, we had video clips people were watching. We had, um, you know, charts and graphs pasted everywhere. And I said, well, we've all, you know, what if we, what if we were to sort of in turn sort of talk about the key pieces of data we've gleaned and then what we think they mean 
And then we could sort of, you know, spend some time writing post-its. And, and so basically it was a, you know, clustering exercise. Mm-hmm. And so we did that. So the data scientists um, for, you know, for each, we sort of broke it out into a series of questions. And for each question, the data scientists would talk about their stuff. And um, the market research folks would talk about their survey results. And then we would watch a few videos. And then we would each, you know, spend some time writing uh, sort of our, our conclusions from all that on post-its. And we did that as an individual exercise. And then we kind of, you know, put it all up on the wall and clustered it. And we, so it was a classic, you know, what you'd call a design thinking process. Um, But several of the stakeholders had never been part of anything like this. And I think they were kind of blown away um, at at the quality of the, um, what we came out with by doing it all together kind of hands-on participatory insight creation exercise. Um, and and uh, I think that that, you know, this is, I think, not news. It's been part of design thinking for the last decade, at least. But, you know, bringing things to life, making them real, so printing them out, putting them up on the wall, having pe- people be able to see it all and, and move things around and cluster them and talk about them was a really important part of this process. And I think it's a really important part of synthesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always, you know, encourage people on my teams to, to get, you know, get it out of your computer and, and make it physical and really move it around. And I think that that's, um, that's an important place to start. And then I think it's about, um, you know, connecting the dots and, and really spending time looking for the patterns. And I think that that's a superpower of researchers. And so um, if you can get to the point in a in an integrated data um, synthesis process where you, the researcher, are, are having the opportunity to help the team connect the dots and sort of lead that process, um, you are in a good position to really be seen as a strategic partner. Great story. I am so looking forward to hearing the whole thing at Advancing Research. So here's my, my last pitch. It's uh, virtual, taking place March 10th through 12th. Uh, Katie, your talk is going to be, well, I'm going to say one of many highlights. Um, but I am really looking forward to it. I really, I just love this topic. And I wish we had more time to talk about it right now. But before we wrap, um, as I always uh, ask my guests, is there a... Uh, a some piece of information or a person or uh, anything you want to shine a little light on for our listeners? Um, well, first of all, thank you. Um, I'm really excited to uh, to be talking about this. It's something I'm really passionate about. Um, I think, you know, in general, the way that researchers have impact on an organization is through delivering what one of our um, design executives calls synthesized insights with a strategic point of view. I think it's one of the most um, unique value add things we do as researchers. Um, and um, a few things that have really helped uh, me as I've been on this journey to become better at synthesis and help my team develop stronger um, synthesis shots. Um, so IDEO University, mm-hmm. which is an online um, organization has a course, I think it's called From Insights to Innovation, that has modules on on synthesis that are great. 
Um, I've worked with Jump Associates, which is a design strategy and innovation firm in the Bay Area that um, that does uh, live, um, maybe they're virtual now, but uh, does a, a course um, or a workshop that they put teams through on, on how to move from um, findings and data to insights through a synthesis process. And I brought them in to train several teams at Facebook, and they're excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I think you know Steve Portugal, who's uh, so. curating day one of the yep. conference. On Wrote March a couple 10th. books for and us. Yep. Exactly. Um, and I hear that he does a very good workshop on this as well, although I've never had the opportunity to participate. But um, I've heard good things. So uh, you know, in my journey to develop these synthesis superpowers, which I think are one of the most critical things to you know ingredients in being an excellent researcher. Those are a few of the resources that I've um, leveraged, and I think it's really worth the investment. Well, Katie, thanks so much, and thanks for joining us today. Uh, If you want to learn a little bit more about what Katie's up to, you can follow her on Twitter. She's also pretty active on LinkedIn. Uh, Katie Mogul, M-O-G-A-L. And uh, Katie, we're looking forward to your talk next month at Advancing Research. Thanks so much. It was great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the Rosenfeld Review brought to you by Rosenfeld Media. If you like our show, please subscribe and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. I'd love it if you tell a friend to have a listen and check out our website for over 100 podcasts with other interesting people. You'll find them all at rosenfeldreview.com.